Hey guys, how are y'all? <laughs> Good to see everybody. You almost caught me singing. I, uh, I was finishing that last one. I don't know if y'all noticed or not. <laughs> but hi, I'm Nick, and tonight is a special night. We are, well, every night we think is pretty special, but we're doing questions. So we've got a list of y'all's questions right here. It is six pages. I don't think we'll get through them all, but also we have the phone. So if you think of a question during the service, text it in, and, and I'll be bouncing back and forth and all around because so, I, I have very little structure in my life, uh, but it'll be fun. Let's pray as we start. Heavenly, perfect, awesome Father, God of all the universe, thank you for this time that we have right now, tonight, to, to talk about our questions that we all have and and to look at your ways and your wisdom in light of our lives and the world that we are in. Thank you for the time we have here tonight. May it be useful and productive and, and revealing of who you are and just your greatness. Thank you so much. Amen. All right, Mr. Whoa. Bill. Oh, I'm here. I, I knew you would be. I, thank you. <laughs> Good. You know, some Excellent. people you can just depend on. <laughs> oh, wow. So... <laughs> So, okay, you ready? I think so. Is that you? the softball? This is, no, this is the baseball from childcare. Oh, but I wanted I am a, a softball to start with, the questions. I am a child, so I get to play with oh, it. Oh, okay, good so, for you. Do you want to play right. with it for a minute? No, okay. no, I, I'm not qualified. All right. Hey. You know, and at some places, they, the audience throws stuff at the people on stage. Okay. But here, we can go the other way, if you're sleeping. All right. There we go. Yeah. You ready? Let's... You know, <laughs> One of the questions, the first one we'll start with is, Pardon? why doesn't the audience sing at church? I have no idea. No, I, I personally, I have a voice that takes paint off. So uh, my, I, I, I worship when they're here and they're singing, those words are going across and uh, they're powerful words and and I listen to the words, and quite honestly, worship is standing in front of God. It's standing in front of God, the presence of God in heaven. Worship, uh, the word actually means uh, a movement to kiss in some of the, Greek, in the Hebrew words. And so worship is a time to express love for God. Uh, some people choose, and some people have great voices, and I, I'll sit here and I'll hear someone doing it and say, oh, I wish I could do that. God has perfect ears, so I know whatever I say, he hears perfect. But it's, it's a heart deal, and I don't know the answer to why some people sing and why some people don't sing. Uh, there's not a plus or a minus on any of that. The point is that when we're here and music is being presented, uh, Worship is the point, and really, it's the words. It's it, the words are the power of it. Now, the emotional response is excellent. Uh, you don't have to sing. I can. I have that emotional response, and I'm gracious to the people around me and don't sing, uh, other than you know following along in the words. So I don't have an answer for that. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if it's good or bad because I've been to churches where that's the main thrust. And so anyway, yeah. that's personal. And, you know, one of the things I've always enjoyed is here, some people do 
Some people don't, but you're free to worship and, and yeah. enjoy the service and, and take part in it as you want. That's, yeah. I've yeah. always dug that about this place. Yep. Okay, cool. good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I also take pain off. Do churches mentioned in Revelation represent different types of churches, denominations, or dispensations of the entire Christian church? Yes. There's, there's so much teaching specifically about the first chapters of Revelation where they write the seven letters to seven churches. Some people say that those seven churches represent seven periods of time throughout history. Uh, some people, they're obviously written, by the way, first off, they're obviously written to the seven churches that are listed. So that's true. It's a letter uh, from Jesus to that church and the issues that they were facing at that time. And to go back, so some people say that it's seven periods of time. You know, uh, the first church was the first hundred years, and then it goes on from there. The 1800s, they're in there when they reach out. So that's possible. It fits if you look at it. When I teach Revelation, I make sure everyone has the chart of that. Uh, but I think it's more important, it, it, it's the churches today should find themselves in the seven churches. Whether they're lukewarm, uh, whether they're excited for God, whether they're under persecution, uh, which most of the Christians in the world are today, uh, whatever it is, the, the, the commands to keep your first love, to not fall away, and, and over and over again, the repetitive theme in the first century, and it's the same thing in the century we live in, is watch doctrine. They're talking about people sneaking into the churches and destroying them. And so uh, some churches get commendations and some churches just flat get spanked. Uh, and if you're, by the way, if you're doing the age deal, uh, Laodicea is the last one, which is a church in uh, heresy falling away. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, so it, it can be both, but it's more important. It's each person here. It's each person, it's each church. Uh, Crossroads is in there. Uh, maybe it's a, a mixing of different churches, but you, there's a good way to evaluate a church by looking at the seven churches. Uh, so I think that covers the wide spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and it, it's neat you pointed out, like, that, that's in us too. That's the human element, yeah. the different churches. Yeah, because they got the people that lost their first love, the lukewarm, the on fire, the, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. Okay, do people, speaking of us, do people fast honestly in today's times, or is it just another Christianity thing to say but never do? Do people what? Fast? Okay, do people fast honestly in fast today's time? Fast honestly. Or is it just another Christianity thing to say but never do? Do you have any positive questions? Uh, uh, probably. <laughs> fasting is, uh, is first between a person and God. Fasting is, you can fast for anything. Normally people think of food. They, they take a period of time and they put food aside. Once in a while... Uh, people will put sugar aside, coffee aside, the essentials of life, ice cream. Uh, they'll, they'll fast from these things for a period of time. And the goal of that fast is to give them a reminder to put their flesh aside and to focus on God. Now, uh, 
some things fasting aren't, which we see too much of in our culture today, is, is fasting for public attention. Uh, if I was to stand up here and say, okay, for the next week, we're all going to fast. God has led me to tell you all to fast for the next week. Uh, attendance would go way down. No, but the, the point is that I can't tell you. Only God can. Only God can move in your heart. Now, the idea of repentance, and I, is that it's in Isaiah, uh, for the fast that I call is the phrase, I think it's 40-something, uh, for the fast that I call. Uh, it's to humble ourselves. It's to stop before God and remind ourselves. And uh, the verse goes on when it's talking about if it's the fast God calls, uh, it would be a particular period of time where people would refrain. But he goes to talk about in that, that, that with the money you save, you'll pay your workmen. You'll do things inside of there to glorify God. So fasting has multiple aspects, and it is a very personal uh, time between you and God. This, here it is. Uh, it's a fast that I choose a day. A person will humble himself, bow his head like a reed, and uh, to spread sackcloth, ashes under him. Uh, will, will you call this a fast, the day of acceptance to the Lord? It's the fast that I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness. This is this idea of repentance and focusing on God to break maybe a habit or addiction or something that you're having or just to make yourself more available to God. Undo the strokes, the straps of a, you know, of a yoke. Uh, and let the oppressed go free. Give a break uh, to every yoke and yeah, give bread to the hungry. And it goes on actually in there too about, yeah, thank you. You're right. Uh, so it continues to talk about purifying ourselves. Now, I, you, you can't tell anyone you're fasting, by the way. So you can't, you know, they say that you get your ashes in your hair and you show everyone how miserable you are because you're fasting. No one should know. It's between you and God. So that's, I don't know what else that adds other than if you feel called to fast, fast. But don't do it as a public pressure or uh, where you're seen in it. And remember, it's the heart God looks at in the fast. Well, sure, you already got the hand up. Go for it, uh, Ronnie. You can, you can fast from anything. They, 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 in, well, let's not even, well, I, I can do that. Uh, in First uh, Corinthians 7, a husband and wife can stop physical relationships for a period of time by mutual agreement. And then they said, come back together again that you won't be tempted. Uh, and this is the one that comes out of Matthew. Uh, not a gloomy face, not everyone seeing. It could be anything. TV. Uh, sugar is something that I've gone on a, a, a fast for a period of time. It, you know, the worst three hours of my life was, <laughs> actually, there was months and months that I went without sugar. Was that something that God called me to? He called me to health, and I knew at a point I needed to do that. Okay, well, it's time to get back on it, bud. Yeah. No. Did you go today? I went today. I rode my mountain bike. See? We're, never mind. This is for us personal. Sorry. Uh, I don't want to interrupt. And I did not go fast. And that, it, it was, yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> okay. Can we go on? Yeah, yeah. I All think. Right. Yeah. It, as yeah. long as y'all are done. And again, the, the questions are the, the text and everything else. A lot going on in the world to talk about. So here we go. That was neat. Well, they brought up, isn't that Lent? And you kind of answered the difference between Lent, like a pre, here's what we're doing at this time, this place, versus like, yeah. like God's timing and the way God's directed it. Kind of yeah. answered that. I, again, I, I'm not a big fan. It's like Lent, this is, when, this is what we're all going to do and during this period of time. I think it's personal. Now, if, it's, if you're in a church and they go with that, then that's part of their, it is part of Lent, is part of certain churches every year. That's the season that they celebrate. And sometimes restrictions are put in there. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you know. All right, you, you asked for a good one, a fun one, I think, right? Are you sure? Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. thanks, Nick. <laughs> no, this one is, when we die... Do we meet Jesus right away, or does he tell us, well done, good and faithful servant, later on at judgment? Every ask it, we get that question. Uh, and it's a good question, and, and quite honestly, the scripture is strongly supports two different positions. <laughs> and uh, one of the positions is that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul said it clearly, I die, I see. Uh, it's, it's that moment, that instantaneous uh, transform you know, movement from this reality to the reality with Christ. Uh, the only other, there are scriptures that indicate that the dead in Christ rise first in uh, Thessalonians, when they talk when Christ comes back, the dead are rising at that time. Well, where have they been? Have they been on holiday or what? Uh, they, you know, the people will say, no, they're, they're sleeping. They're in a soul sleep. It's not a, it's not suspended animation or anything like that. It's just supernaturally push pause. And then when Christ comes back, uh, they go to him. Uh, the, the thing is, and this is one of the things that divides denominations. It doesn't matter. If it's the dead in, if if it's a dead in Christ and I was asleep, I'm gonna go to I'm gonna die, I'm gonna go to sleep, and I will be a handsome corpse. And uh, but the first thing I'm going to see is Jesus, because he's calling me up. It's the first thing I'm gonna see. And then he'll say, Well done. Now, if, if I believe that it's the transformation when I die and I go directly to him, the first thing he's gonna say is, Well done, good and faithful servant. The, the debate and the, the schisms and churches that actually split over this particular issue uh, does not honor God one bit. What honors God is trusting him that whether we, we, you know, we get a nap or we go directly, it doesn't matter. The result is exactly the same. We're with Christ forever, transformed body uh, in his presence. So it I don't, yeah, I don't, that's both sides. Pick what you like, really. It's not a salvation issue. We have freedom. Yeah. Cool. Now, okay. do you remember the Super Bowl ad? Yes. That came out. Yeah. Would the, the questions referring to that Jesus Super Bowl ad, would the money spent 
on the Jesus Super Bowl ads been better spent elsewhere? Maybe like feeding hungry people, housing, homeless? Okay, for those, I'm sure most everyone is familiar with the uh, He Gets Us uh, campaign that's going through our country, and it's just not the Super Bowl. Super Bowl uh, was almost, what, $50 million were spent on those ads specifically, and yes, that could have fed a lot of people doing that. Uh, someone, and again, there's, the, the people who actually put that ad on uh, have chosen to remain anonymous. They've set up a corporation, he gets us, and you can go to their website, you can look at it. Uh, they're well-funded. It doesn't matter. Their goal, if you go to read it, is to have people reacquaint themselves with Jesus. The idea being that uh, there's so much negativity about Jesus, about uh, Christianity, about God. And so uh, this idea that he's removed and doesn't understand what's going on, here's all this suffering, what are you doing? Uh, the ad is saying, God, Jesus gets us. He understands our pain. He understands those situations. Is that message a message that is, needs to always be said? Absolutely. He understands. Now, uh, the idea of spending money on, on other things, you, the, the seats at the Super Bowl were super expensive. I mean, there was so much money thrown at that process uh, to put a commercial on that if with the right motives and if with the right message, they're just telling people that Jesus understands them. I, I am not going to get upset at that. Now, if you go to their website, which I have, and I suggest everyone do that, and you, and you start looking at their doctrinal statements of what they believe, there's some, there's some challenging beliefs in there. Uh, the universality of Jesus being accepted by major religions as being one of those ideas, but that's just true, um, whether that negates or, or cancels their effort to present Jesus to the world. You know, yeah, I, I'm, it's one of those things I look at and I say, God, use it. <laughs> use it. Uh, and for us, we need to remember that it's important that our message to other people is Jesus understands where you are who you are, what you're going through. He loves you. He walks with you. He's constantly present with you. And uh, the, the drawing to him, uh, if that ad helps in that, well, more power to him. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to. I could compare it to when Jesus was going in to be crucified, uh, his feet were anointed with an oil that was almost a, a year's salary for a working man. And they got all over her for doing that. And he says, well, the poor you're always going to have with you. So I, money, we should use our money wisely and everything else, but I'm not going to judge someone if God calls them to give me a million dollars. I'm good. <laughs> Good. I like that. Because you'd probably share it with your, I would. With your close I would. friends. I would. I would, indeed. indeed. I'm the closest to you right now, I think. Pardon? I'm yeah. the closest to you at the moment. <laughs> okay. By the way, 
follow that stuff. There's a lot of stuff happening in our world. There's a lot of bad stuff happening. But we can't become so jaded that everything we see goes under a microscope with bad motives. Now, there's a lot of bad motives out there, so don't misunderstand me on that. But there's, there's revivals going on. There's uh, these kind of programs going on. There's churches like Crossroads and others in Ridgecrest and California, even California, and, uh, in the day that are, and around the world. There's Christians that love God that are being slaughtered. There's a lot going on. Uh, yeah, so be in touch with it. Don't be deceived because there's a lot of liars out there. Um, yeah. All right. Keep it moving here. Exodus 24 states that we are not to make idols of anything heavenly or earthly, and we are not supposed to worship them. What does that mean about the cross we wear as jewelry or the rosary or like pictures of statues of Mary and, and the saints? The, Yeah. An idol is, a, is the focus of worship. And the cross uh, is a symbol of Jesus. Uh, this idea of a symbol, uh, it's not the real thing. You're not worshiping the cross. You're worshiping what happened on the cross and the Savior that died on the cross for us. You're, you're worshiping that. Uh, and so uh, in our heart, can I say that's not an idol? Well, it's not for me. I have a cross hanging in my family room, and, uh, and I don't worship it. I worship the Savior that died on it for me. So uh, does not make yourself idle or anything on the heaven and earth, things like that. I am not, I, I would draw the line on setting up a, a, plus, a, spe, a special place where you go and have, a, have an idol or something there, and, and you're worshiping that without the understanding of Jesus being behind it or the truth that's behind it or things like that. It's, a, it's an inanimate object in your... And, and yeah, okay, I don't know if that answers the question or not, but it's... A, God looks at the heart. Good grief. He looks at the heart. So... Uh, I think we're more in danger of a Corvette becoming an idol in our culture today. No offense to Corvette owners. Give me one. Uh, I won't worship it. But there's certain things that we worship, our health, our, our public image, our self-image, our personal reputations. We worship that more than we do the Savior that died for us. So uh, idol worship, guard yourself. Nothing comes in front of Christ and, and what God has done for us. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, that was a good one. Thanks. Let's see. Okay, the hardest thing that makes people believe the Bible is wrong is when textbooks and scientists claim the world is billions of years old. Yeah. How do you people get people out of that mindset and convince them the Bible is telling them the truth? It's a simple thing for me, and I'm, I, I won't stop with this, but I'll, I'll make it real simple. Am I going to believe God or Darwin? Wow. Who am I going to believe? Wow. 
That's a very simple statement. And, and if I just put it there and I said, well, did Charles Darwin? Or who is an atheist with, a goal, with an agenda? And very faulty science, I'll come to that. Or God, who's consistently predicted the future in, in a flawless book, well, who am I going to go with? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go with God. But science, clearly science, destroys evolution. Charles Darwin has not got a scientific leg to stand on. The age of the earth, if there's 120-something ways of saying how old the earth is, 90% of them say it's, it's the biblical model that's true. And if you, and by the way, I don't know who to put that out, but I give away books uh, all the time, readers and readings, and I'll sit down with anyone, I'll buy any book. Just this is science. It's worth doing this too, because they're still telling the same lies they told to me in 1950s uh, when I went through the evolution book. They still have the progression that's been proven false of, of, of uh, embryos going through the evolutionary state. That's a, that's a flat out lie. They still talk about the Nebraska man, the, uh, uh, these, these crossovers from, and they're all fake and phony and all have been disproved and they're still in the high school textbooks. There is not one transitional fossil. There are tens of millions of fossils, not one transitional fossil. This is, conclusive evidence. The, uh, the laws of science say that you can't have uh, biogenesis from non-life. It's a scientific fact. And yet the whole evolutionary principle is based on that out of, out of uh, the goo came you. Wow. It's, it's, it's laughable because it's against science. Uh, all evolution says that small mutations over time will be beneficial and produce a new species. How many people want to sign up? Oh, hey, hey, we're going to have a baby. We're, we're going to go for as many mutations as we can. No, you're going to go, I don't want, no. Give me, give me a straightaway. Uh, they're always negative. They always kill. They always hamper. And they always take people further from health they never move people toward health. I, I could just go on, and if you have any questions, anyone here, anyone uh, out there in cyberland, in your pajamas relaxing, probably eating wings or something while we're talking. Uh, if you want one of those books, just get a hold of me. I'll give it to you. Uh, the science is overwhelming to defeat uh, Darwinism and all the lies that are there. And I've got over 300 quotes from evolutionists saying, these are their quotes, their words, we believe it because we will not accept the option of there being a creator, yep. that they would have to be accountable to him. Yep. And so for, since 1920-something, when the uh, Scopes trial took place, we have subjected our kids to a lie to keep them from knowing the true God. Uh, Parents, if there's a parent listening in, you better have your smarts on. And you, I, I've, I've given these books to my grandkids and everything else and my kids, and just put it on the kitchen table every day. Read them one. You do that. You've mm -hmm. done that in the yeah. past. Yeah, right? 
Yeah, the kitchen yeah. table, the dining room table, wherever the kids take it. Yep. Some, yeah, and it, they're, they're great books, right? They're fun. There's pictures, yeah. a lot of fun stuff. And you work with youth uh, yeah. at the youth group, and so they're I'll, coming in. This was fun, if I can, if I may. Uh, I was sharing this with youth group and one of the, another cool book, 100 Bible Verses That America Was Founded On. And the kid looks at me, he goes, how come I learn more stuff at church than I do at school? Yeah. And I thought that was so neat. Not, not dissing anyone, but that was just so cool to, to they appreciate the knowledge, the evidence, yeah. just the facts, not yeah. going, yeah. yeah. Parents, it's your job. It's your job. They're not going to hear it anywhere else. They're not going to hear it on social media. They're not going to hear it in the classroom. They're going to hear it from you. Thank you very much, Coach. We, and there are the stalwarts still in the room, classrooms, standing up for Christ. Thank you. It's like a combat veteran. Thank you for your service. Uh, what she's saying is that there's, there's a, a group of people that believe in the gap theory. In other words, that, uh, that yes, it was, six, it was six events, but there was gaps, long uh, millions of years in between the different stages of uh, the creation. Now, I first, this is, the gap theory contradicts the Bible. Each day, Genesis 1 says, in the morning, and then during this happened, and then the evening. He is not leaving, the word is yom, where it, which, which can be translated a long period of time in the Hebrew. And so, so the yom, you can be a long period of time, you can be a short period of time. God knew these lies were going to permeate our culture. So uh, he wrote it in such specific terms that that can't happen. And so uh, I believed in the gap theory and for a period of time because I wanted, as a new Christian, I wanted my evolution and I, the more you research it, it's bogus. And the, the idea that God needs a gap to speak a world into existence from one phase to another is, is just looking. Uh, they're trying to accommodate what looks like evidence of a long period of time uh, in the universe and how did this happen and everything else. He spoke it or it wouldn't be there. Uh, that's the fundamental, and again, I've got enough evidence to back it up that I'm comfortable that I'm standing on solid scientific ground and biblical grounds simultaneously. Uh, I opened to that discussion. I've got a sh shelves full of books. Oh, in case for a creator, by the way, a video that we have in there, or I have extra copies, is, and you can watch it on YouTube. Go watch uh, Case for a Creator, which is a very good put-forward deal with Lee Strobel. Do you want to add anything to that? You're the smart guy up here. Well, I kind of, <laughs> well, you're going to give me credit for that. Um, well, one thing is neat. It will turn your world upside down. Coming through college and all the things that you get taught, so many things, taught Lucy at a collegiate level, yeah. um, it will turn your world upside down, which is neat. Yeah. That's yeah. why we have so many of them, too. 
The evidence is, I just, they, they had a thing last, it just, you may not familiar. Many people, isn't, wasn't it the uh, Piltdown Man? That they, that was a hoax from the beginning and they found out it was a hoax. They had a pig tooth and a, and a jawbone from an ape and a man's skull and they found them scattered around. They pulled them all together and look at this. And, and so it was in all the papers publishing this truth deal. Uh, and then they found out that they were so far apart it wasn't the same. They found out exactly what they were and they found out the tooth was doctored. And they still for 40 years continued to point to that missing link, which was bogus from the beginning. But they don't publish that, so you know, I have an opinion. Yeah, that's, and when you read these, you, you start to wonder, what do, I, what do I do now with everything I know? And that's a bit of a lead-in maybe to this one. So as a Christian, is it appropriate to participate in cultural rituals when entering a new culture, country, village, or, or a new group even in your own country or town? Um, to form a relationship with them? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> if, one of the things that's just so amazing, if it's a, you're entering this culture, and you're, let's say you come to the United States, and uh, you celebrate Easter, although you don't know what it means. Well, Okay, but if you, and in certain countries, there are certain times, feast, activities, things that take place that aren't part of worshiping their, their deity. When, when uh, they bring onto campus, and, and I, the Native Americans, I just, you know, okay, but, but those are worship services they bring into the school system. And... Uh, that's, that's what's taking place. It's the same thing. Uh, they, they had students repeating the, uh, whatever, I forget the term that the Muslims give, to talk about Allah being, you know, the uh, God and Muhammad the prophet, and you had to quote it in, in school. So, no, I don't, anything that worships their God, no. And now, how about some of the scenarios where you're perhaps innocent or ignorant to what's going on. Like, uh, in, I think it's First uh, Corinthians chapter 10 or so where he's talking about if the food's been set before you yep. and you don't know, your conscience is clear if right. it's food that was sacrificed to an idol. Right. Right. So what about some of those as you maybe go on vacation places and you're, and you're unaware? Do you have to worry about accidentally falling into something terrible? You know... This is the neat thing about God is he's not removed and he's not a set of rules. He looks at our heart yeah. and he looks at our knowledge based at that particular time about what we're doing. You know, we, we, we try and come up with these boxes to put everything into. Uh, if, if, if someone's presenting a worship service in front of you to their God, which is radically different than your God, then you don't participate. That's why people are dying all over the world. And that's why the first century... Christians died, they wouldn't worship the Caesar. And so they died. And so if you're given that, that information, no, don't, don't enter into false worship. Uh, say no thank you. Now, uh, there's a, the United States, Western culture worships a lot of things, self-image, all of those other kind of things. Uh, flee from idolatry. This, this, this 
anything that's taking place that, and he goes on down there, but I said, things with the Gentiles, sacrificing, sacrifice to demons. If that's taking place, don't participate. If they've offered food to that idol, uh, I'm not as concerned about that because the Bible says, unless it caused someone else's to stumble. If, if my bacon causes someone else to stumble uh, and they come over, I'm not going to cook it and eat it. I mean, I'll, and I'll just hope the smell's not lingering while they're, while they're there because I don't want to offend anybody unnecessarily if, they're, if I'm trying to move them toward Christ. So I don't know, I went over the world on that. That sounds good. Okay. It's because I'm hoping for that million dollars. You share it. <laughs> All right. So the earth has changed a lot over time. And 2 Peter 3.10 says, when God comes back, everything will be destroyed. Yep. Ecclesiastes 1.4 says, the earth never changes. Can you explain the, the yeah. apparent confusion between those? Or the, the idea of when, when you go back, this is, a matter of fact, I want to talk about that. Uh, when Christ comes back, he's going, I'm just so excited. You know when he comes back, what's going to happen? Yeah, a lot of stuff, destruction, the end of Revelation, all that. But then he's going to reverse the curse. And instantly with a word, as he spoke this world into existence, he's going to reverse this process of decay. And everything else has taken place. Uh, those people who are alive, and this is kind of, kind of a weird deal. You know, we're going to be transformed. We're going to, we're going to get our heavenly bodies and, and instantly. And now, uh, people who are, didn't accept the mark, who would die when Jesus came back, or Christians who would be transformed, uh, there's a third group of people. And they're going to live in a world without a curse. There will be no crabgrass, or devil grass is probably a better word for it, for those of you who garden. Uh, this, uh, I'm not answering the question, but I'm, well, let me answer the question. Uh, Ecclesiastes is a repetitive theme, nothing new under the sun, all is vanity of vanities. What was before will come again. It's just this repetitive cycle that takes place. The, the writer of it, Solomon, brilliant guy, uh, he goes through all of this, and, and when, this, when you read, and, or whenever you quote uh, Ecclesiastes, you got to go to the end of it. He says, the end of the matter is to love God and, and to trust Him. All the other stuff in there and this back and forth, uh, it's all vanity. It's all vanity that we position and, and, and put ourselves in this thing. As far as the con is there a conflict there? No, I, I, don't, I don't see one. Uh, all things will be the same and go on forever. Oh, I know that's not true because look at this specimen. Uh, it's in transition. It does change. Look at, look at our world and things that are taking place. Things change. So uh, Ecclesiastes is a specific philosophical position that there's nothing, whatever's here is just a repetitive cycle. Same old, same old is what I wrote in my Bible. Uh, in that area. It's same old, same old, going on. Here we get up, another day. Uh, all has been heard, is, and this is the last of Ecclesiastes chapter, you know, chapter 12. 
uh, the conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God and keep His commandments because this applies to every person. Oh, okay. I'll go with Ecclesiastes. Um, and as far as the, uh, the passing away, it is going to pass away. We're going to get a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to get a rebuilt one, remod instantaneous, when Christ comes back. And then this one, even rebuilt, it's going to be, uh, uh, it, it will be replaced by a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So I don't see a conflict. It's funny, the, the cycle you brought up of, uh, it just goes over and over again, nothing's new. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the chart you'll show sometimes, the cycle of, of, of pride and, and the fall and then yeah. returning to God and repentance. Yeah. There is it. This applies to every person. Yeah. There's, we put it up quite often, this cycle yeah. of uh, sin and falling away from God and then consequences and then a repentance and a return. And oh, by the way, as a nation, we better hope for that turnaround pretty quick because uh, we are way down the judgment trail. Um, keep hoping for those revivals that are taking place or potentially taking place. Yeah. Okay, this one's fun. I feel like there is an odd idea that you can't be happy as a Christian. If you aren't suffering, you aren't doing it right. And we'll pause there. We'll get to the question. Is, is that correct? You can't be happy. You know, happy is, a, is, an, is an emotional expression uh, based on circumstances. Certainly I can be happy. I'm, I'm happy tormenting you guys standing up here. It's a, it's a joy to me, so I'm happy about doing that. But there's also a joy that is not based on circumstances. Happy, happy is something that's uh, based on uh, a relationship that's going right, a job that's good. Every, it's circumstances outside. Joy is a deep gift of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace that, that resides inside of us. Uh, one doesn't cancel the other. And a Christian should walk in joy because we have it inside of us. Now, happiness, we should express it. Uh, one of the biggest... Uh, it, this one of the... Uh, when I was looking at Christianity... There was a guy, and I can't remember his last name, it was Les was his first name. No, not you. Uh, but uh, his, he was just a, a live wire. And I looked at that and I go, you can, be, you can express that as a Christian? I am, I'm in for that. Uh, because my background, it was not all, happy was almost a sin. Uh, but anyway, so can, can a Christian be happy? Absolutely. But it, it, that happiness needs to be based on joy that God's in charge, whether it rains or pours. Tribulation is going to come. Trials are going to come. Uh, we have to consider it all joy when they come because uh, God is working something in us. And there's an add-on. Uh, I think the focus is if you aren't suffering, you aren't doing it right. Is the add-on is, is a mother not supposed to focus on her own health and well-being too? So if someone is giving it their all and, and really dragging through, um, is, is it? No, again, there's, there's an there's a opposite thing taking place there. 
Moms, bless you, bless you, bless you. Young moms, bless you, bless you, bless you. It's a, it's a hard period of time uh, that's there. But discipline, you're, you know, your kids and raising them up and, and being joyful about it. What do you want your kids to see? You know, joy in your life because you want them to buy in to Christ. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I probably asked it weird. I think the, the thought is, do, at what point do they stop and go for some me time to take care of myself oh, oh, versus... Oh. Mom time? Um, yeah. There are... This is... You, you could read some testimonies of some very great Christians who were raised in the classic example in our culture of a single mom working two jobs getting it done, hitting it hard, uh, and everything else. And there's still joy in the home. That's, there's still happiness in the home. Uh, that is considerate all joy when you encounter trials and working hard and, and everything else. And, and any, God, I, I don't know, I can't, I can't speak for anyone else, but I've had some late night watches with kids and things like that when just exhausted and did not want to be there and yet, it was joyful. I was given, and moms, you're given a task that is precious from God, that you, that you get to experience this. You know, it's, it's you know, because this is how God nurtures and cares for us. Uh, anyway, so, um, <laughs> I, yeah. And it, and you're right on. And it might be a great time to mention if anybody is struggling with well, doing what God has told them to do, what he's yeah. directed them to do, and you're like, how do I go on? Yeah. We're here to help. Yeah. Talk yeah. and listen. And, and again, the, the, the taking care of the body while you're going through this, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. Yeah. And uh, I, we should have Kelsey, your, your wife, asking she those said no. questions. She said no. She just, yeah. so, she's uh, not coming up here. <laughs> yeah. make her. <laughs> but that's, jeez. Anyway, uh, take care as best you can. There are times when you're going to be without sleep. There's going to be times uh, when you won't have time to go to the gym and things like that. Uh, do the best you can. God honors faithfulness uh, in that. Because as it, as it starts to get really hard, and you start to struggle and maybe even fail some, you've you got to remind yourself, is this God guiding and bringing me onto this? Yeah. And so this question that just came in is, what does it mean to hear God, and how do you know God is speaking to you? Because there's a... It's important. Yeah. You mean in connection to that? In connection, how do you know it's God speaking? Uh, I love the term God thoughts. There's stuff that will come in, and I would never think of it. It was so obvious that I could not come up with it. This this whole idea uh, of sending Jesus as as a a babe in a in a that's so ridiculous. God thoughts are so different than ours. How do you know it's a God thought when you wouldn't think of it? When it's so against common sense, human sense, everything else. Not that common sense and human sense is all negative. But when, when, well, I want to go back to the one you had. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials, 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and endurance proven character. And so that's a God thought. You're not going to find that in uh, uh, Maslow's pyramid of needs uh, in, in doing that. Uh, you look at what's coming. That's a God thought. Oh, and it's true. I don't learn anything unless I've really been spanked. Uh, it's just hard. There's the, the John verse, uh, or excuse me, James. But uh, God, how do you know what God thought? And just not to blow that off, to quietly hear God. And, and you can always know it's a God thought too because if he speaks to you in an idea or a thought, you will find it in the Bible. You will find affirmation that this is a God principle, this is a God attitude, this is a God thought uh, that's taking place. And so you find the affirmation there. Uh, and also there's something inside of us, even though it would go wacko against human nature or against it, but there's something inside that says, yeah, yeah, that's, that's God. That's, that's not me. Uh, because if it's an unselfish, serving other kind of thought, uh, I'm not going to think of that one. That would have to be God. So, so what would you say to someone who wants to hear a God thought and they're feeling lost there? Like, I want to hear God. How do I hear God? Is that a Again, I, most people, oh, well, I, I got to be careful. Read God's word. You know, the thing is that he's transmitting 24-7 through creation, through his word, through other people. See God moving around you uh, in all of these things. Uh, and so if you want to hear from God, again, it's one of the, I, I want to go back to, it's guaranteed to sit down. If you open your heart, God speaks to us. There's a verse in Jeremiah that says, uh, call to me and I will tell you great and wonderful things you didn't know. Is it instantaneous? Is it a computer, you know, Google search where you're going to get, you know, million, whatever, in a second? No, but God speaks. Ask him to speak. Ask him to speak on a topic, and you may hear it in your next reading of the Bible or in something else or a message. Or God will speak to us, and, and you'll know it's him. Test it. Test every spirit in the Scripture and the attitude of the, um, yeah. Call to me. There it is, one of my favorites. That's God's phone number, Jeremiah 33.3, by the way, just in case you didn't know that. He doesn't take text, so. <laughs> Thank you. Well, that has been really great, and I've been instructed not to ask you a question after 625. What do they say about 625 on the dot? Does anybody have a question out in the audience? Yeah, that's good. Yes, sir. If you haven't heard of what's taking place in Asbury, uh, Asbury is a very conservative Christian college. And uh, during a weekly chat, and you look at their doctrinal statement, they're just spot on. You listen to what they're saying. Uh, they got their God thing going. Their doctrine is all correct and everything else. And so they had one of their teachers come in and give a 15 to 20 minute talk, just chapel service talk. You know, we get to do them all the time. And uh, 
Now, I listened to it. It's on YouTube. You can listen to it. It, it says, there's the, here's the message that started the Asbury uh, revival. And listen to it. It's a powerful message. But the power of the message is love. God's love for us. Hearing God. God's love for other people. He gives, he gives an example of brokenness and humility. He's vulnerable about his life in different things and at different times how God turned him. It's a powerful message. But his message didn't start the revival. God did. God starts revivals. Not, not people. Now, here's what happened. And I, I pray for revival. I pray for revival at crossroads. I pray for, so many times. That's what we need. We need revival. Our country's got to turn around. But what happened, and this is what happens historically, Revival starts when someone repents of their sins and starts honoring God. Now, the, the teacher left, and everyone was gone. Most people went to lunch. Uh, there were a couple of students. Uh, the, the numbers, I, I don't know the exact numbers, uh, but one young man was sitting there, and just in the honest movement, again, the, the message was about love and expressing love for God. He says, I am so thankful for God. I attempted suicide, and he, God intervened. And all he was broken and thankful and loving God. So he shares with, with a couple other people. And then one of the other persons talks about how God moved in their life. And they started worshiping and going into prayer, and other people started repenting of sins and acknowledging the sins in their life. Uh, just as his speaker had done before and became honest. And they started doing that, and then it led into just prayer for each other and honoring God, uh, repenting from it. And the band who had gone to lunch came back, and there's these wackos uh, praying and, and just crying and repenting and loving God. And so they started playing. And how many days has it been? Eight days straight. You can watch it live on TV. Uh, it's, got, it's spread to three other young... First off, it's not the big, fancy, blitzy, glitzy colleges. These are fundamental Christian colleges. Cedarville, and I forget the other one. I think there's even one in Alabama. Can you Alabama? Really? Uh, just kidding. Uh, God is... Our... Hung, our, our our younger people, we just did this, he gets us. The younger generation, this is a lost, given up generation. But God's reaching, in this case, that generation. And uh, where it's going to go, what it is, I have no idea. The, the, the concern historically has been someone ties to ride the revival pony and get the correction on themselves, the direction on themselves, the glory on themselves. That's not happening there. They're very careful. People came from outside with an agenda with tambourines and flags and all this other stuff to take it over, and they don't let them in. So, no, that's not what this is about. And I heard someone was saying earlier, some well-known Christians were going there and desired to speak, and I said, no, you're not speaking. God's speaking. <laughs> it was mentioned in one of the write-ups. But it's like the Welsh revival has happened several times there. Now, you're from that area. That's yeah. your turf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
some of the people that were there, it was kind of funny. There's this one from this other well-established well and everyone would recognize the name if I gave it, Christian University. And they were there. They said, why are you here? Well, we came so we can take it back yes. to our school. And, uh, you know, I went, that's, that's good. That's admirable. And certainly you want to do that. But the seedbed of revival is repentance. The first words that John the Baptist said is repent. The first word that Jesus said was repent. And this is what our nation needs to do. We need to repent. And that's what was happening one person, one heart at a time, repentance and returning to God. And anyone in here, by the way, or listening out there in Cyberland, I personally took it as an opportunity for a personal revival myself. I wouldn't ask God to show me junk and, and he was very gracious and loving to remind me and to point out some areas that I needed to repent of. Uh, and so it was, I had a personal revival at, at 5.30 this morning in my family room. So that this revival is taking place there is, and, and again, remember our country, I'm going to go on, that we've had revivals. And uh, you can document them and everything else that took place. Our, our country was founded on revival that took place in our country. Uh, the first great awakening and the second great awakening made us aware of the, of the slavery issues. And we went to war on that. And we freed the slaves. This was all a result of that. Uh, anyway, that the idea that repentance wouldn't... When our country used to face a hard time, Congress would have days of prayer and fasting. And they would stand up and the politicians would confess their sins to one another. Today they stand up and confess everyone else's sins. It, again, so, yeah, I'm very much aware of it and I encourage everyone to be aware of it. Uh, in your own life, that's most important for your own life. So, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Okay, did we do it? We got to ask. Yeah, we did it. Good. Yeah, I think so. All right, good. And we're late, and don't blame me, and that'll be yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> Should we pray? I want to pray. I get to pray. You yeah. can, yeah. Yeah, can I? Lord, uh, you're a mighty, loving God. And your desire is for each of us to walk in this attitude of love and worship and peace and Lord to be open to repent because of the blood of Christ on the cross we repent of our sins so that we we honor you in all that we do Lord and, and speaking for myself continue the revival in me and Lord I thank you that you're knocking at each heart that's listening to this seeking revival in their hearts. So thank you, Lord, that that's who you are. Lord, we, we pray for our nation. Oh, boy, do we need revival. Uh, give us the wisdom to tell others as we are revived. Take others with us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.